It's week 8 of 2020. I'm Father Roderick, and you're one of my patrons. Hey there, and welcome back to another exclusive episode recorded for you because you support me so well uh, with your monthly donations and also with your feedback and your comments. Uh, for me, this is super important to have uh, people like you who believe in what I do and uh, uh, give me the courage, actually, to continue doing this despite sometimes the incredible amount of work that it takes and the stress. I'm sitting here with a, with a, with a headache you wouldn't believe, and that is because yesterday, well, yesterday, this morning, I finished editing... Uh, my uh, documentary about New Zealand, a very Hobbit-oriented episode, but I was working against the deadline because the uh, final editing took place today, this morning, so I had to make sure that the episode was uploaded to the servers of the broadcasting company that I worked with so that uh, they could start working on it this morning. Well, I finished working (laughs) this morning at 5 o'clock. I'm getting too old for this. And it was so much more difficult than I thought it would be. And I wanted to do a good job because this is one of those episodes, one of those documentaries that I also want to bring to an international audience. Uh, Because everything in the documentary itself is in English, except for the voiceover. So the only thing I need to do is to have someone translate that voiceover text and then uh, put it, uh, combine it with the with the edit. Uh, change a couple of things, especially at the beginning, because of course the TV show has a slightly different target audience and a different format as well. But then most of the work will be identical. So that's why I worked so hard on those episodes. But this last one was really, really, really difficult. <laughs> Uh, the first two ones, th- this is material that, that I filmed in 2013 when I was invited uh, by James Bergen and, and Gavin to come over to uh, Australia, to Sydney, Melbourne, and also to pay a visit to Auckland. And um, where else did I go? Wellington as well, the Diocese of Wellington. Um and the main occasion was the CNMC, the first uh, CNMC overseas that they were organizing, stood for Catholic New Media Conference. We, we had been organizing a couple of those in the United States. And so this one was uh, uh, totally on the opposite, opposite side of the world. And uh, I, I went to that conference, but also visited some other places and spoke with local people that were active in communication. Uh, got to know a lot of really, really great people, many of which are still my friends on Facebook or on social media, so I still follow them. Um, sometimes they've you know, changed jobs and they work in a different area, but they're still more or less the same. So even though this was all filmed in 2013, it was surprisingly easy or feasible to, to translate it to today. I just added some, you know, voiceover texts to make it, for for instance, in Sydney, of course, there's a new bishop now. Um, and in some cases, well, the situation of the countries themselves has changed considerably, most notably, of course, on the level of the dramatic effects of climate change. 
and the the bushfires in Australia, uh, the fallout of that. Now we we've got the uh, uh, the excess of of rainfall. Um, and what I didn't know was that these bushfires has have also impacted nature in New Zealand. And a lot of the gletsers and the beautiful, normally white snow has turned orange. And uh, the ash and the smoke have accelerated the melting process that New Zealand is experiencing for a while now, where, you know, they've got a couple of thousand uh, gletsers. They're all melting way faster than they grow. And so that in itself will start to impact the way the country looks. You know, you've got these beautiful blue lakes, um, but they're blue because it's melting water from the gletsers. If the gletsers are no longer there, then those lakes will either dry up or, or change color. And so it's a, it's a big concern. Also, currently, uh, New Zealand is going through um, a, an extensive period of, of drought, which is also, of course, affecting the countryside, it's affecting the farmers, um, maybe also the Shire <laughs> in, the, in Matamata, who knows. So um, I, even though the, the, what I filmed is, is still way before those natural disasters, and so it, it looks beautiful, Australia looks, looks beautiful, uh, New Zealand looks beautiful, I still had to add that, that you know, those newer developments in, in the voiceover. But I, I did reasonably well with the first two ones that take place mainly in Australia because at the time I was vlogging. I was creating these videos, or at least I thought I was vlogging. My plan was to create these daily videos, um, interview some people, um, film my day-to-day -day activities. It was really, you know, vlogging from the year 2013 where vloggers would film anything they would do. So I've got a lot of vlogs that were filmed at McDonald's and filming my breakfast and uh, lame jokes. That's the worst. I'm, I'm constantly trying to, to be funny or to project myself as a vlogger. And it is cringeworthy now that I have much more experience in making my own documentaries and uh, not only presenting a show, but also, well, being in those documentaries. Um, it is sometimes really painful to watch myself acting out in front of the camera. And it's like, I can't use that. No, that's terrible. So uh, sometimes I have to really hunt for the pieces that are usable. But thankfully, in Australia, while because I was vlogging, I did do a couple of interviews. Nothing special. And maybe that has been an advantage because people act very naturally. Um, since, well, I didn't arrive there with a TV crew. So it's basically me with a small camera. Um, and and so the entire f feel of the material that I shot is very um, uh, relaxed and, um, and informal. And I think that really helps get the, their, their testimonies across. So uh, the, the main storyline of the first two episodes was just following my trip through through Australia. The only thing that I changed was that I actually ended in Adelaide uh, when I was returning from from New Zealand. I flew, I think, first to Sydney, and from there, from Sydney, you go to Adelaide, and from Adelaide, you go to Hong Kong or maybe Dubai. I don't remember exactly which flight, but anyway, there was kind of this one day that I could spend in Adelaide. The thing is, once you've seen New Zealand 
Adelaide is not that interesting anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry for those of you that live there. But Adelaide is a kind of a, well, you know, it's a nice town, but it's not as spectacular as New Zealand. So right from the get-go, I knew that I had to end in Matamata. You know, the, you, you, you always have to end your stories at the top of, of the experience. And so adding Adelaide to the end of the documentary would, would uh, I think, be narratively not a good choice. So I kind of switched that around, put Adelaide at the beginning, and actually that wor worked out very well because I got a tour. I only had a few hours there during the day, but I was picked up by uh, uh, the father of someone that I would later meet in Australia. And so um, in that way, I could kind of link those two places together. It worked out really well. And then gradually also visually start building this up. So I went from Adelaide, which is nice, and then went to Sydney, which is quite spectacular. From Sydney, we went to the Blue Mountains, which is even more spectacular. That's a beautiful natural park. And, um, oh, in Sydney, we also went to, to the, like the zoo with the, uh, the koalas and the kangaroos. So I was so glad that I filmed that because of this extra information that I needed to insert about the ecological disaster currently taking place in, in Australia. Um, of course, I didn't have time back then to go, you know, really in, into the, the, the um, let's say, the deeper areas or deeper inland in, in Australia. Um, and I didn't want to use stock footage of, of animals either. So uh, having all that footage from cute animals <laughs> at the zoo, even though it was filmed at the zoo, it totally worked. So you see me uh, interacting with a koala, and uh, it was all very, very nice. And then from the Blue Mountains, uh, in the, the second episode that aired this week, uh, I filmed Melbourne, which I totally forgot about. I, I, I thought I only filmed during the... Uh, the new media conference but actually before that we did two things we went to see uh, the beautiful coastline south of Melbourne where you have these stone pillars in the sea basically the the coastline has been eroded by the water and so it has isolated patches of land and now they are standing there as huge rocky pillars um, and they are called the Twelve Apostles um, so we visited that place, and uh, it was a, a gorgeous day, so I have really nice material that I filmed there. And uh, the other thing that we did was a tour of Melbourne. And I had completely forgotten about it, but it's a lot of fun because you see the city. It's a very colorful city. Um, and the only tr tricky thing was for me to come up with a story that would integrate that footage into a storyline that would make sense more than just oh and then we did this and then we did, did did that so i decided to start with a tour of of melbourne and we ended in a part of the town where um you've got a lot of street art uh, graffiti mo mostly and i with a voiceover i connected that with the media conference saying well this is this is also uh, a category of people that the church wants to reach but the forms, of course, are very different. I mean, the street art that you see here is, is uh, you know, another planet compared to the, the stained glass windows and the beautiful architecture and the liturgy uh, that I filmed earlier that day at the cathedral. 
so what language can we speak to reach younger people? And that's what the conference is about. So I kind of <laughs> made that conference uh, more like a logical, uh, uh, let's say, follow-up to to the tour of the city. And then I, f I had a lot of fun, short interviews there, mostly sound bites. Uh, and it was by re-watching it that it struck me that they all had one single theme. And it may also have been because of the overall very, you know, fun atmosphere that we had. But almost every one that I interviewed stressed the importance of, of um, uh, when, you, when you communicate as a church to, to have fun, to, to radiate joy, to communicate the joy of being uh, a follower of Jesus. And so that... that and, and you can see it, you can tell, because everyone is having a great time. So that also really was so much more interesting and easier to convey um, this message that we have to be joyful, especially to this kind of um, discouraged church here in the, in the Netherlands, than to just summarize, you know, the technical talks that were there as well and social media. Of course, all that was... Hopeful, hopelessly outdated. This this was in 2013. The, the new media has changed so much. We don't even call it new media anymore. So, uh, and I interviewed um, an archbishop there, who also had a t uh, you know gave me some some answers to my questions that were completely timeless. That were really and still relevant, pertinent. But it was just a good story, and I, so I could use that entire interview. And, and all that really helped to put those first two episodes together. Now, with, with the New Zealand episode, it was so much more challenging um, because the only thing I did there was film for, in my mind back then, a, a documentary about Tolkien. I, I really... I didn't know what to do exactly. I just knew that I wanted to create a documentary about Tolkien. So I was like, I, I got to film as much of this Lord of the Rings material and go to all these locations. And, and I'll completely skip the rest. So I didn't film anything about my encounters there with, um, for instance, in Wellington, I had a, 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 an afternoon at the, the diocese and I talked with communications people there. I did a, a talk in the evening. Uh, I did some other talks. I filmed almost nothing of that and what I filmed was not usable. Uh, so I only had a few snapshots that I took with my, back then, my iPhone 4 and oh my goodness, if you look back at those photos, the cameras on those early phones were so terrible. But anyway, it's better than nothing. But I had and I didn't interview anyone. The only thing that I filmed was the landscape where all these locations, but beautiful and it was gorgeous and still it's incredible to see how well that footage holds up. It was filmed with the Sony uh, camcorder and well, of course now I can tell what's wrong with those camcorders. Back then I thought it, the image was fantastic, but the, at the time we were we had barely switched from SD quality to HD. Now I'm like, oh my goodness, the bit rate of the videos is so low. For so, for at one point, I'm um, I'm in a in a river, looking for gold. Literally, <laughs> it was part of the Hobbit tour that I took, or the Lord of the Rings tour. And so they bring you to this river. They give you uh, um, 
something to siphon the water with. And well, I do, at the end, I do find two tiny little specks of gold. So there's also a payoff of that story. So I included it. But the thing is, like I filmed myself. I don't even remember how I did that. I know for sure that I only had my camera. I didn't have a tripod. I didn't have any extra microphones because all that is stuff that I bought much, much later. I didn't even have patrons back then to 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 make it possible for me to buy stuff like that. So I only had that one camera and I must have put it on rocks or something. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these camera, I'm filming myself and I'm, so I'm walking past a camera or in this case, I'm, I'm like in the water. I'm like, how did I film that? I don't I don't know because I'm like the the place is surrounded with water or maybe I took disproportionate risks by placing this in the river. I don't know. But anyway, the thing is you you see the background is full of of moving trees. You've got the entire place is is covered in rocks and tiny petals. The water of course is also do, making a lot of movement and that's when you see that the bitrate uh, the bitrate is basically the amount of data uh, that you use per second is very, very low for these cheaper cameras back then. Uh, storage space was limited. I think I only had a, what was it, like a 16 gigabit card, SD card, which was incre incredibly expensive at the time. So these cameras would compress the image tremendously. So you could still film several hours per card. And uh, what you see is in that in those shots at the river, everything gets blocky. So there's a lot of JPEG compression happening or MP4 compression, and it's almost unusable. So I had to kind of work work around that. And hopefully, one one of the advantages of Dutch television is that it is interlaced. So uh, on my monitor, because it's non-interlaced, uh, I can see how blocky it is. But since on television there there's this leniency of the basically the, the, the not so good quality of, of, of the whole technology behind television. Um, hopefully it won't be as visible as it was on my monitor. Um, but so that was tricky to work around. But, but and then I, I somehow had to come up with a story. There are no interviews. So the only thing that I can use to tell the story and to make it interesting is writing a story myself and, and using voiceovers. And um, I think when I started editing this, this was on Monday, right now it's Thursday, so I finished this morning. So I basically had about what, two and a half days to edit this, plus <laughs> the entire night. Um, uh, I still had to come up with that story, and I'm a very intuitive type of editor so I just start somewhere and then I see where the story takes me I have some vague ideas in the back of my mind but when I started on Monday I still wanted to make this big story about how Tolkien's works reflect his Catholic values and then I don't know what I was thinking but there was no way that I could turn that into a coherent story that also would fit the images that I shot so instead I inserted just small thoughts here and there and um, opted for mostly a, a, an episode where the images themselves speak. And that was kind of new to me when I when I made my Ireland documentaries, which hopefully you will also get to see sometime soon. Um, the That was all filmed with a phone, 
also pretty dramatic, <laughs> I think. But at the time when I was editing those two, I wrote the entire voiceover before starting the editing process. And so I had this long story full of information and the actual editing process was pretty rapid because it was just covering uh, the voiceovers with images. And of course you need to make some adjustments sometimes because you, you think you have enough footage from something you talk about in the voiceover and it turns out you have almost no material. So it's still a process that requires a, quite a bit of tweaking. But uh, the downside of working that way was that the entire episode, or the two-parter, was carried by this flow of information. And I think also those two were edited in, in a very, very short amount of time. So I don't think I had the advantage of stepping back and letting it rest for a while. Just like cooking, sometimes you have to, you know, take something off the fire and let it rest for the flavors to mix and then you you taste it and you add some salt and pepper well in this process i couldn't because well deadlines and so when looking back at those two episodes they're cramped with information and it's just relentless and the only saving grace of those episodes is that the image images are so beautiful it's, it's just ireland was spectacular when i was there and so you kind of zone out after a while. You don't even hear half the information and you just look at the pretty pictures. So a lot of the feedback that I got on those was very positive. But from a, you know, storytelling perspective, I was still like, I, next time I should do better. Well, with, these with this last episode in New Zealand, I finally made the decision to take out a lot of information. So um, because it was mostly you know, Lord of the Rings-centered stuff that I shot, I felt a little bit guilty. After all, I'm you know, supposed to make a Catholic program. So I had inserted all these thoughts uh, about communication and the Catholic message and stuff. And at one point, I was editing um, a day in, in Queenstown, and I took this Lord of the Rings tour in a Jeep, and it was really cool. That was the same day that we did the gold digging and everything. Uh, and it ends on top of a mountain and you have these this this beautiful view but no story i think the only reason that they took us there was that peter jackson had taken some of the you know footage from the mountain ranges or or maybe just photos from the mountains and pasted them in digitally in a completely different setting and sometimes he would even you know take mountains from various parts of the country and put them together in in, in the same shot so it's not that it's a, a Lord of the Rings location per se, but well, there, she had that story to tell, and but that's not very interesting for my viewers. And so I, I made beautiful shots of the of the mountains and the clouds and everything. And at first, I was like, "Well, this is boring. I need to add those pious thoughts, you know, my my personal thoughts about how to." Uh, changed evangelization of New Zealand by using the stories of Tolkien and 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 uh, offering interactive tours of the region. And I had plenty of ideas that I remember back then having while I was walking around there. I was like, oh, if I would be a, a priest here, that's what I would do. I would totally jump on the bandwagon of all these Lord of the Rings tourists and invite them instead of you know going in a jeep and 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 racing across the country. I would, I would invite people for a spiritual, maybe even do a hobbit retreat or something like that. So I had plenty of these creative ideas. 
And I, I added that to the story, to the voiceover, underneath the images, and added some music. And like this, I don't want to listen to myself right now. I just want to take a look at these beautiful mountains. So I, I cut it out. I, I threw it away, and for about a minute, adding some some kind of like really slow meditative music, I just show nature, and it works so much better. It works so much better because all the the the, the story before that is action-based. It's like, oh, look at this. You see some people bungee jumping. This is where you had the Argonath statues. This is a river. This is this. This is that. And then just have a moment in that story where you can just watch is really helpful. And it's like you're catching your breath before the next part of the story. And I did the same towards the end, same problem. We went to Mata Mata. And I was like, well, but what's the story? For me as a geek, as a fan of Tolkien and fan of Peter Jackson's movies, it is so, it's, it's a dream to be here. But that's not a shared dream with my Dutch audience. Most of them have never seen the movies, probably don't really see why I'm so excited about it. So I had to change the narrative and I decided the, 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 the set of, of Hobbiton is beautiful. Um, even if you don't know anything about hobbits, you can still admire just the, the simple beauty of those hobbit holes and the, those those well-kept gardens and the flowers and the colors. It was, by the way, a dreary day. I was not very lucky weather-wise. So I, I got drenched at the fir- on the first day of my stay in New Zealand. Then the weather was, turned awesome. And then the last day, the day that I was visiting Matamata, it was pouring from the skies. And, well, anyway, despite that, it still looks beautiful. <laughs> And I decided to just show people around, just add some music and uh, walk around. And and that requires, that's difficult editing. It's kind of rhythm-based. You have to alternate certain pictures. Um, you can't just show hobbit holes. You have to do wide shots, close-up close shots, moving shots. And, and so that it takes a while to kind of find the... The rhythm of that, I, I, it's very difficult to explain because I'm doing it in a very intuitive way. But I, it, it just takes me several hours to put together a sequence of two, three minutes. But it, at one point, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, this works. I don't know why. It's just this feeling like this is the rhythm. This is what I want to see. The, the colors work. The composition works. The Anyway, and then... I also needed to change the narrative there because it was my last day in New Zealand, but I had the time of my life. I was like, this is the the crown on my journey because I'm so giddy to be here and pretend that I'm a hobbit. But I'm thinking, well, this is also the final part of, of this three-part story. So what? how do I f- actually feel now? Not while I was there, but how do I feel now that I've been working for three weeks almost nonstop on editing these stories and going through that journey? It's almost as if I've been in in, in Australia and New Zealand for, for two months now because, well, when you're editing, you're watching and re-watching and watching again and re-editing. So I've done that journey five times. So it and if and this was... You know, this morning, around three o'clock in the morning, I was like, "How do I feel right now?" 
I, I only have one feeling. I was sitting here in the, 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 the office next to where I'm sitting right now. So this is the podcast studio. And on my right is a sm very small, it was actually, it was a closet. Um, <laughs> that is the place where I edit. And I was, I'd been stuck there for, for three weeks. And, you know, the, the, nobody is up. I'm there in the middle of the night. And the only thing that I felt was, I want to go home. I want this to, to be over with. And so I created a story saying that while I was walking around there, I just suddenly got this feeling of, of being homesick. I just wanted to go home and, and, and finally share these stories. <laughs> and so, and then I ended with, uh, kind of recalling that that Bilbo, when he finally got home in the Shire, where his adventure also began, what he did was he he wrote down his stories so he could share them with the generations after him. And Frodo, of course, is kind of the next generation, the younger generation. And Frodo continues writing in the Red Book, and then it's uh, finished by Samwise Gamgee for his kids, probably. And so, um. I was like, well, well, that, I I feel like Bilbo. I've I've gone through an amazing adventure. I've I've seen beautiful landscapes. I've met amazing people. I've discovered so much, learned so much. But it's been a long journey, and I just want to go home, and I want to tell my story. So I want to go and share this with my viewers. And so, got kind of the whole story came together actually by listening to my real feelings this morning at three o'clock in the morning and i think it, it gave that entire uh part in in the shire a m much more emotional component um and it worked much better in the story and i could even connect it with the journey of bilbo um and so it was this just this magical thing where and that's sometimes with creativity i didn't plan it i didn't think ahead uh, that I this is how I'm going to tell the story but it just came together it is it's crazy it's like you upload it and you're like how did this happen and that is sometimes it makes me very grateful to witness that because it's almost as if the story is is telling itself is creating itself and I'm there as an instrument but what comes out of my hands is not just me it's something beyond me. And it's really, really, well, you could say magical or spiritual. It's I definitely believe that it is the Holy Spirit who is, you know, the 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 the, 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 the force that creates. And and so God's creativity is is mirrored in, in the creativity that I am myself. And so it's it's not just my merits. And so when when I finally delivered the episode, I was like, well. I'm I'm just passing it on. That's also something I say oftentimes when parishioners after mass tell me that, well, you, in your homily, this and this really touched me, and I was like, well, I'm I'm just passing it on, and and it's true. In in many ways, preaching for me is the same strange magical process where I usually don't really know what I'm going to say. I may have like the beginning of a of a thought, but then it unfolds while I'm sharing and. At the end, oftentimes I'm like, I should listen to this, <laughs> and 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 I, I kind of like that because it also prevents me from relying too too much on, on you know my own my brain or my own thoughts. That's not the point of creativity. Creativity is 
almost as if you open yourself to something that is partially out of your reach and but but you feel it when it starts working and that's kind of the experience that i had over the past three weeks i was like i feel that this, this something is happening here this is seven-year-old material nobody would normally use this for for a to tell a story or to make a documentary um and yet somehow it all came together and it worked out really well and i don't believe that people can tell that this is just basically scrap material <laughs> old scrap material rusty scrap material that i put together and uh, it's like cooking with leftovers <laughs> but uh but thanks to this this creative process there is just it's very tasty, this dish that I served. At least I think it's tasty. Now let's hope that my viewers think the same. So that's, that's what I wanted to share with you in, uh, in this episode. Um, and uh, I, I really hope that soon we'll finally be able to, to uh, get this workflow under control. Because the only reason that you haven't seen these episodes yet is, is that I am just overworked or well not overworked but i'm uh I, I have too much work and and i need to meet the deadlines and that's the only thing but i think everything is in place to to start sharing this stuff with you so uh you may want to get back to this episode sometime in the future when when the english version of this uh, down under story is uh, available and of course as patrons um you will be the first ones to see this and um uh well it's just a, a way to to, uh, to to create these stories with you. Right, this was kind of the backstory of how this stuff comes together. Um, hopefully soon you'll be able to see the end result for yourself. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. And uh, without your support, and without your financial contribution, I wouldn't be able to do this work. So, and I mean that, that's true. So thank you so much for your ongoing support and also for your you know, mental support for your friendship and for your feedback. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll be back next week with hopefully a little bit more energy because, golly, I need to go to bed. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye.